welcome back to yet another episode of Dan and Frankie Go to Hollywood. My name's Dan. And I'm Frankie. Is that right? Well, I guess your driver's license wasn't lying. So, uh, how have you been? How, how you doing, old friend? Pretty good, apart from the heat. How are you? Mm. Yes, yes, I am uh, sufficiently dying uh, lately, <laughs> especially at night time where it's like... 30 something degrees and uh yeah only uh when i say my downstairs is air conditioned i do mean my apartment where i live i don't mean my uh you know <laughs> yeah uh that is definitely not air conditioned but that's beside the point um yeah no look I, i've i've been doing good i have been wrestling a little bit lately with uh as you know um with the start of this podcast and everything i have forsaken video games as much as possible to get back into movie watching because the last couple of years I haven't watched anywhere near enough movies as I would like to because of things like Prominence Poker and GTA and Power Wash Simulator which have <laughs> taken over my life but um, as you know this year yeah I've been trying to keep away from video games but oh boy i i've I'm, I'm a little bit hooked on shadow of the tomb raider right now um which which is it's sort of movie-ish you know i mean it's a very cinematic game and stuff but uh yeah it was one that i i hadn't played yet and so i've just gotten stuck in that so i'm doing my best at the moment to juggle uh movies and video games but yeah well, you oh. have, i've noticed how much your movie watching has increased in recent times oh my god has it ever i mean yeah this month alone i've i've exceeded 30 movies already you know which is phenomenal for me um but yeah i know that you wanted to inspire the masses of people to watch movies but you've also inspired me so uh yeah Yay. best podcast ever if you ask me <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um yeah look um on the subject of of movies that we've been watching um yeah there's there's been a, quite a mixed bag over the last couple of weeks how about you yeah i've watched a lot um I, I just had to look when you said about watching lots of movies. I am current, well, I haven't logged the two I watched yesterday, so I'm on 42 all up oh, for wow. this year so far. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm on that many. I think the last I checked was, oh, I don't know, maybe 36, 37 or something. But Although um, with this stupid heat wave, I think on Friday, the public holiday, I watched four movies and then mm. on saturday i watched four movies yeah yeah right. yesterday i dropped down to two. <laughs> oh my god no somebody call the paramedics um yeah so so i mean look what, what are some of the highlights of of your viewing experience of recent uh well should we start with one that we both watched I think or that two, might be... Uh, two that we both watched. Yes, let's, let's get stuck into those. This was a great surprise. I had heard about a movie called Horror in the High Desert mm. as being a found footage film that was really good. Mm -hmm. I'm not into found footage, but I thought I'd give it a go since people said good things about it. Um, people being perhaps just one person on Letterboxd that watched <laughs> it. But anyway, good enough, got me intrigued. Mm -hmm. And then I found out it's actually not really a found footage film, but a mockumentary that has found footage elements in, which actually worked really well for me because it's basically like watching 
uh, true crime documentary mm. um, with some spooky stuff. So it's basically mm -hmm. about a film crew following up on a guy who went missing in the wilderness a while back. And so they're talking to friends and family and all of that. And standout movie because I don't get scared in movies. You know this. Oh, I, I do know I that. Yeah. don't know what it is about me. Maybe because real life is so scary that I just fictional worlds can't do anything. But mm -hmm. a movie always stands out when it actually makes me feel really uneasy mm. and tense because mm -hmm. it's so rare. And this film did that. It's kind of just sort of more at the end of the movie. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it brings it in at the end. But, you know, it was good enough along the way, but it was the end that really made it. Um, although it kind of builds up to something and the payoff doesn't really deliver after the excellent build-up, mm -hmm. but it's still a really enjoyable film. Yeah. And I, then I know I told you to watch it after. You did, you did. And especially based on your reaction, I was like, oh my God, I need to see this film. And so... Uh, I, on the other hand, am a huge fan of found footage films, uh, but as long as they're done right, as long as, uh, as I've said before, there's got to be a reason for the camera to be there. Um, that's actually the main thing for me, really, because, you know, when you're watching a found footage film and you're sitting there going, well, why would anyone be filming that? You know, why would there be a camera there? It just sort of takes you out of the realism and that's what these films are designed to do is be realistic um and yeah this film because of the mockumentary thing and combined with found footage yeah i also thought it was fantastic uh mostly i i did kind of feel the ending it did build a lot of suspense and there were a lot of moments that creeped me out for sure uh particularly and i know i didn't mention this to you the bit where when the guy you know towards the end is is filming the stuff at night and that weird person you know the antagonist if you will does that sort of sideways trot towards the camera <laughs> like that was just so unnatural and bizarre and out of everything in the film, it, that has stuck in my mind the most because it was just so shocking to see someone moving like that. Um, but yeah, look, overall, I, I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was as good as the second one, uh, Horror no, in the High yeah. Desert 2 Minerva. Uh, and yeah, that had a lot of moments that have stuck in my head. And I know you and I have talked about them. Um, just... Yeah, they changed Weird it up shit. in this one and they didn't just wait till the end to put all the creepy stuff. Mm. It was more like throughout. Same sort of setup of uh, like documentary makers going to follow stories of two women in the same area as mm. the guy from the first film. And yeah, this had lots of creepy stuff too, especially at the end as well. Yeah, but there was so many moments that weird just... stuff. Yeah, that felt kind of like being in a nightmare because, you know, sometimes when your brain is going into those places at night when you're asleep uh, and you sort of wake up thinking, well, why the hell did that happen in my dream or whatever? <laughs> and there were so many moments in that that, yeah, I just thought wow, what does this all mean? Okay, fair enough. But I thought those films did a good job of, you know, there's that whole thing. I, I think it was Alfred Hitchcock who 
maintain the rule that uh, in order to make something truly suspenseful, you've got to keep that suspense lingering, you know, because so many movies, especially Hollywood horror films, uh, and I'm looking at you, Blumhouse, um, will do a thing where, like, there's a bit of suspense, but then, boom, you get a jump scare. And it's like, ah, you get the release. But I thought those films did a pretty good job of, of keeping that suspense held and mm. and not giving you that payoff. So you kind of still on edge even though even after the movie's finished you've still got that kind of feeling so yeah that were that were a big surprise um and if anyone is interested in watching them they're on tubi at the moment which you can watch mm. for free just you know with a couple of ads here and there but who cares and apparently there's a third one coming so mm-hmm. looking forward to that whenever that's going to come out i i haven't looked if there's a release date there's nothing mm-hmm. no year listed on letterbox so i don't know how far away it is but mm-hmm. i'll definitely be watching it yeah absolutely and uh there was there was another movie that we watched as well which you were rather a big fan of oh wait a minute wrong adam's family <laughs> I have heard about the Adams family a lot. Mm. Um, uh, I listen to horror podcasts, and so they've been mentioned. And I just, for some reason, never got around to watching their films. And I don't know what put it in my head. Probably another mention on a podcast. But Hellbender is streaming on. Was that Tubi as well? Was I've that Amazon? Got a Can't remember feeling now. it was. Um, no, I can't remember now. Uh, uh, I'll, I will look it up but yeah it, I didn't know what to expect I just kind of went into it without even really looking up what it was about and it was so good it was just my kind of movie of mm. um, a lot of it about visuals and music and they're living it's like a mother and daughter living out in the woods and the mother says to the daughter you can't be around people it's too dangerous You've, you're sick and you kind of get the feeling straight away that she's not actually sick. So what's mm. going on? Why can't she see people? And it's just really interesting. Actually, this is on Amazon through AMC. So maybe it's that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it was. Um, yeah, look, you you gave it really high praise, and so I was I thinking loved to myself, oh, okay. And so I I had an interesting experience with it. Actually, I sat down to watch it, and I. For the first two acts, I I was liking it. I wasn't loving it. And I thought, okay, this is maybe one that you and I might not agree on completely. But by the third act, it really elevated my experience uh, in a huge way. And yeah, I came out of that giving it four stars out of five. I Because um, yeah, that third act just... And it, it made me want to go back and revisit the film again at some point. Because I think I'll like it more knowing that the end pays off so well um but yeah just but the fact that it was made by a family that Mm. when they're not performing in the film they're doing the cinematography and camera work or you know whatever else and they made the music and they did everything i thought that was fascinating i yeah i've never really seen anything like that before so yeah, no, that was very impressive. I, I quite enjoyed that film. Yeah, so thank I you. also checked out The Deeper You Dig, which was the film they made before Hellbender. Mm-hmm. That one is streaming on Prime and Plex. And uh, I didn't like it as much, 
but I, it was still really interesting. It's uh, um, it's another mother and daughter living in the woods, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, there's like a guy working on an abandoned farmhouse that's kind of a neighbor to them, mm. and then they kind of get caught up in stuff, which I won't say anymore because. Mm. You don't want to know. No. But yeah, it's similar. It's a bit more straight, like a bit more of a narrative story, whereas Hellbender was very much visuals and mm. mood and everything. And this is a bit more of a, mm-hmm. yeah, straightforward, which is why I thought you might not like Hellbender as much as me, because I know you're more mm. story. I am, I'm yeah. I'm more like visuals and atmosphere and yeah, feelings yeah. and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I I would recommend still that you check out check out the DPU dig. All right. Well, um, I I've actually been doing a lot of watching lately of films that I have been wanting to see but never got around to. Uh, which again, thanks to thanks to this podcast, I am I am now a movie person. So, <laughs> um, but look, one of the films that I watch, which is something that has been on my radar for so long now and i can't believe it's taken me this long to get around to watching it uh a movie from 1987 called miami connection have you uh have you seen that one or heard of that one i have not seen it i have heard of it okay let me read the synopsis from letterboxd in a world where ninjas dream of being rock stars and rock stars dream of being ninjas, a martial arts rock band goes up against a band of motorcycle ninjas who have tightened their grip on Florida's narcotics trade. <laughs> this movie delivered everything that I had heard about it. Um, you've got this band of orphaned dudes um, who are taekwondo experts in a band called Dragon Sound. Uh, which is just this cheesy 80s synth rock band, you know. And yeah, oh my God, you've got all this soap operatic stuff. You know, one of the guys um, is just determined to one day find his dad. And then, you know, look, I, I don't, I'm going to spoil this thing. I don't care. If you haven't seen it by now, then you should have. Um, so, you know, towards the end, like he gets this letter in the mail about how his dad has, you know, tracked him down or whatever. And all of these other dudes come out to the driveway and they're all overacting like hell. You know, they're like, oh my God, man. Oh my God, this is so awesome. And then they actually pick the guy up onto their shoulders and, you know, bounce him around like a sports game sort of thing. Um, And then, oh man, it was so much fun. Uh, I, yeah, it, it was just everything you want from a movie with that description. So... Uh, yeah, that was that was one of the movies that I can proudly tick off my list of films that I've been dying to see but never got around to. Uh, well, speaking of films that I never got around to, I mm. last year decided I wanted to watch all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films because I'd only seen the first one or possibly one in the 90s. But I watched mm. that recently and I feel like perhaps I haven't seen it and I was confusing it with a different movie. But I right. watched the Next Generation one, which is also called, mm. I think, The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in some places. It's the one okay. that's famous for having Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger before they got famous. 
mm-hmm. and it's not good. <laughs> wow, really, what a surprise. Mm. It's interesting to see Matthew McConaughey because he's completely insane in it. So um, mm. it's really fun. And I'm pretty sure he walked into a dinner scene and he walked into the room and went, all right, all right, all right. I'm oh, pretty wow, sure he okay. said it three times. So I was just like, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, but then following that, because I was following the timeline continuity, uh, the mm-hmm. next one was the recent one that came out in 2022, I think, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Also, did not really like it. It started off mm-hmm. okay and just kind of went downhill. Just had people died that I didn't want to die. And mm-hmm. it was just a bit silly mm-hmm. and then there was a really annoying girl in it <laughs> and it just yeah i don't know i just mm. got a bit annoyed as it as it went on yeah. but there was some interesting kills and things in it so you know it wasn't all bad but mm. it i probably won't revisit that and now i'm just wondering if mm. the first movie is going to be the only one that i like because oh absolutely i mean yeah, look, it, i didn't really like mm-hmm. the second one the third the, the one with Viggo Mortensen was okay because he was mm. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I haven't really liked any of them much so far, considering what a masterpiece the first one is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, the Look, the first one is just a film that should never have been turned into a franchise. And I know I say that a lot about a lot of films that became franchises, but... Uh, especially that one, you know, it was lightning in a bottle and, uh, I vaguely remember the next generation. Uh, I think I had it on VHS back in the day. That being said, I only vaguely remember the recent Netflix one as well. I, all I remember is the bus scene and, um, that's pretty much it. That was a completely forgettable movie experience. So, mm. uh, yeah, I, that, uh, yeah, that's very hit and miss, that series. The second one I thought was okay. You know, I think if... that one was saved by Dennis Hopper because he yeah. was, like, insane in that one too. I think that's the thing. <laughs> it's like, hey, mm. bring in good actors and get them to just go nuts, and that works mm. even if everything around them is not so great. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The but, girl in uh, the, the second one was extremely annoying. Mm. Oh, absolutely she was, yeah. Um, but, yeah. For me, yeah, the the only good movie, like truly good movie in that entire series was the very first one. But mm. uh, that's, that's yeah, you can say that about a lot of things. <laughs> um, look, I, I don't know how the hell I'm going to segue uh, Texas Chainsaw <laughs> series into a romantic comedy. Uh, I've been trying, um, but... <laughs> I've got nothing, so I'm just going to say that another movie that I finally got around to seeing, uh, that my fiance Kylie sat me down and said, you're going to watch this movie, and I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, was What Women Want, mm. with Mel Gibson, Helen Hunt. Uh, look, I had never seen that film before. It was one of those ones that every time I heard about it or saw a trailer or anything, I thought to myself, yeah, you know, it might be all right. Um but it never really, you know, I was never really that motivated to check it out. Uh, but yeah, I tell you what, I loved it. 
I loved everything up until the ending, which I thought was a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, it was kind of like the writer was just sort of like, yeah, you know what? I can't think of a way to end this. I'm just going to bang something out. There you go. That'll do. Um, but look, overall, it was hilariously funny. I thought it was ahead of its time in a way like it's still got such a relevant message to now actually if anything the movie is probably even more important now than it ever was you know um and yeah look i thought mel gibson was absolutely fantastic in the role and i don't care what anybody says because i looked on letterbox i was like surely a lot of people have enjoyed this film and i looked and it only had like a two point something and i was thinking okay that's a bit harsh and then I looked and, yeah, of course, the reviews are just all these people just, oh, my God, Mel Gibson, ew. And it's like, oh, my God, people, like, just enjoy the film for what it is, you know, that it's not Mel Gibson on screen. It is his character that he is playing on screen. Yeah, that's um, ruined a so... lot of movies. If you if you go to a movie on Letterboxd and it has a low rating and you can mm. sometimes look and go, oh, that person, I bet all the low ratings or a lot of them yeah. are just because people hate the person that's in it. Oh, which is so ridiculous. Mm. I mean, look, I, I've never met Mel Gibson, so I can't really say whether he's a bad person or not. Sure, he apparently has done crap things in the news and in the media and all that sort of stuff, but I don't know. He, yeah, that's, anyway, that's a topic for another podcast. <laughs> An entire podcast, more than likely. Uh, but look, I loved the film. I, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun, so I was very happy with that one. I haven't seen that for years and years. I don't remember the ending, but I do know that I quite enjoyed mm. it as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was really, I mean, the standout for me is still, and I know this is just the, the five-year-old child in me, but... Uh, where he starts, you know, when he first walks out in public and he's hearing all the women, like what they're saying and everything, but then he looks and there's a French poodle trotting along, looking up at its owner going, Monsieur, I need to poop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Out of everything in that film, of all the poignant messages about misogyny and the patriarchy and all of that sort of stuff, the one thing that I walked away with was a poodle saying, Monsieur, I need to poop. But uh, that's that's why people come to this podcast. So, yeah. Mm. What else you got for me? Well, I, I thought the romance might be a good segue into this, but then you finished with that. Mm -hmm. And now... With poop, um, yes. It's kind of opposite now because I'm <laughs> going to talk about a black and white film from 1946. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there's probably not a lot of poop references in that movie. So, uh, no. yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I watched Dragon Wick um, recently, yeah. which has been on my shelf for a little while. It was a blind mm -hmm. buy from Indicator, I think. Uh, has Gene right. Tierney and... Uh, Vincent Price in it mm -hmm. and it's just okay. like it's set in late 1800s sometime mm -hmm. and so there's a young girl who lives with her family on a farm and they have they're not really cousins but some distant relation was married to a distant relation something <laughs> and so he invites one of their daughters to come and stay at Dragonwick, which is the name of the mm -hmm. house. And so uh -huh. Jean Tanny's the girl. So she goes along and she's all excited about 
you know, going to the town and seeing Dragonwick mm. and all of this, and she falls for the guy who is not her cousin, which I'm glad they mentioned because it's always a bit mm. weird in old films where cousins are romancing each other. <laughs> Especially when they need to poop. <laughs> Never mind. Please continue. <laughs> um, but this film was great. It's so beautiful. And have you seen Jean Tanny? Google her. She is stunning. No, I don't so believe I'm I have. adding her okay. to my one of my favorite classic actresses because mm-hmm. she just every time she's on screen, just mm. you know, the rest of the movie mm. could have just been like looking at the wallpaper or something. And if she was standing mm. next to it, it would have been fine. And oh, so, wow. okay. but it's kind of has a bit of a Rebecca vibe, sort of. But mm-hmm. it's um because he's married, but then you know everything's a bit weird she's there to Mm. be like a companion to the daughter and just yeah i don't really want to Mm -hmm. spoil too much it does give it away in the synopsis that the wife dies so then he's like oh we can be together now but you know he's Mm. not quite what he seems and so it's just quite a sort of gothic story and it was very Mm. intriguing and i was quite captivated by it well, that sounds rather interesting. Yeah. Um, so, well, speaking of uh, speaking of actresses that light up the screen and make you swoon in their presence, um, I uh, I wound up doing an Amber Heard one two three oh. punch uh, recently. <laughs> yeah, um, she was dead in the eyes. I know you don't I, care about that because you're not watching her for her acting. Uh, look, I've, I've got to admit, <laughs> I've come to the conclusion. Now, let me just, just you know, go back a little bit here. Like, I am very aware that from everything I've heard, she is an incredibly awful human being. I get that. I, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to go into details, but, you know, miss you, I need to poop. <laughs> um, so, but that doesn't change the fact that someone can be objectively good looking oh no and i'm just there... talking about her acting oh yeah 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 no look i <laughs> yeah um i mean there was a recent study that where apparently she was like scientists determined that because of her face structure and everything she was you know supposedly scientifically the perfect specimen of a female human being um look it up google it i'm not making this up that actually happened um, that means nothing. It's like people saying, this is the fashion you should wear. Oh, Everyone look, I, I get that. Taste. But I've got to admit, <laughs> I, I'm now, I've come to the conclusion that she is better looking in my mind than when I actually <laughs> watch her on screen. And I think I might have herded myself Maybe out. Maybe because so, in your mind, she's not acting. Oh, look, who knows? Give her but... life in her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started off with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which um, now, look, yeah, I am a diehard DC fan. I have liked or loved almost every DCEU film except for Wonder Woman 84, which was uh, mm. <laughs> came out of a French poodle. Um, and so and I loved the first Aquaman big time and so but I don't know there was something about this film that was kind of putting me off wanting to rush out to see it and stuff so uh, I watched it at home and yeah it 
was marginally better than Wonder Woman 84, Ooh. but I, uh, it's the kind of movie that I've seen it all before. There was just nothing interesting to me really happened in it. Um, the tone was extremely unbalanced. It was either too goofy or too serious and you know it was and the a lot of times the things on screen was just this mishmash of visual effects that were just like hang on a second like my brain can't keep up with what's going on here um so i was disappointed with that film and yeah, yeah. glad i didn't go out i still to see haven't it. seen that one yet because of everything i've heard i figured it wasn't worth the cinema price no i i'm really glad i didn't pay money to go see it uh but it made up for it when i watched a film from 2011 called drive angry with nicholas cage and the illustrious amber heard um that was a film that i i saw a comment on a facebook group about someone saw it and said they thought it was a crazy wild time and then i saw a comment in the well comments um <laughs> saying that apparently the 3d was dazzling or spectacular or one of those kind of adjectives and i looked it up and yeah this movie was filmed in 3d and so they made a really big deal of it because of course back then that was when 3d was you know still like a huge thing it was like what uh two years after avatar had come out and uh they were still riding pretty high on that uh, on that wave so i blind bought the blu-ray because i found it on ebay for 10 bucks and that movie yeah it was a really wild time uh it was the closest thing i've seen to a robert rodriguez film that he had nothing to do with you know it was those crazy batshit insane green screen special effects and stuff insane characters uh william fickner was in this movie as the devil's right hand man because uh nicholas cage's character has escaped from hell in a muscle car uh stolen this gun that is like you know some kind of thing that obliterates uh demons or whatever and sends them to limbo um and he's on the hunt for his uh was it his his daughter's child was kidnapped by this cult that want to sacrifice the kid you know for her blood on the full moon and all like i'm just reading all this stuff i'm like oh man this sounds great and yeah it delivered i thought it was just such a grindhouse style popcorn film uh and even amber heard i thought was actually really good in the film you know but mainly because of her character um she was a yeah real sort of kick-ass female who didn't take shit from anyone and um actually really served a purpose in the story so uh yeah that film was was great but then that same night i thought oh I, I think i need more amber heard and so i watched a movie called all the boys love mandy lane uh have you seen that one i've heard of it i haven't seen it <laughs> heard of it, <laughs> it uh yeah look i the first 10 minutes of that film i'm like oh my god this has so much potential to be great it uh i thought it was gonna be about this girl this high school girl who just all the guys mysteriously for no reason just fawn over her and worship her and and there's a scene at the start where she goes to this party and you know the, a guy winds up trying to impress her by jumping from a roof into a pool but smashes his head and kills himself and 
I'm just like, if the movie is like this, you know, if it's all about the male gaze and the, the perils of, you know, stupidly falling for women just based on their looks or whatever, I'm like, this is going to be great. Then it just does this about turn and becomes a shitty slasher film where she goes out with a bunch of other kids to lodge in the desert and they're just being picked off one by one by a mysterious assailant and it was boring as hell um i don't know why it suddenly had this switch around but yeah um so if anyone ever watched it just watch the first 10 minutes and then like hit stop because and imagine what the movie could have been because uh yeah, that was one of the worst films I've seen in a long time. I was so bored in that one. Oh, that's no good. Ah, you know. Hmm. There's, that's Amber Heard for you. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch. Well, I have a quick one before I get to my two favourites of the recent times. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. it's a heat wave, I decided mm. on the weekend to watch The Ice Road because... Ah, um, yes. I like Liam Neeson and I like a mm. fun action film and that I've been wanting to see it since it came out. I nearly went to the cinema when it came out, but I didn't mm. in the end. And mm. I just like I have a thing for movies that are like natural, like weather things like tornadoes mm-hmm. and stuff. I also like harsh elements as well. So, you know, right. a movie where they've got to drive trucks across an ice road and deal with mm-hmm. the perils of that is really interesting, which is the first part of the movie. Later they introduce a villain and, a, you know, a really over-the-top villain and some really over-the-top things happen and it gets a bit ridiculous. But it's it's an action <laughs> movie. You expect that. And with Liam Neeson. Yeah, and it's still... Yeah. Um, still was a really good time i was really surprised because it has quite a lot of low ratings and Mm. i don't know if that's a thing of i know some people rate movies based on supposed quality no matter what they think about it whereas i rate movies on a good time so i had Mm. a good time watching this so it gets a higher rating so i don't know if that's why it's so low or people just I don't know, they're snobs and they can't just enjoy an over-the-top ridiculous action movie. (laughs) I think people are getting a little niecent out because he does tend to be churning out these, you know... Oh, you don't have to watch them all. ...sort of vanilla action movies (laughs) where he just plays the same character in every single film. Um, Maybe maybe I'm doing it right then because I just watch one every now and then so there's still a lot that I haven't seen. But yeah, yeah look, it was great. And Amber Midthunder was in it as well, which I didn't realize right, till her name popped right. up on the opening credits. So she was one of the truck mm-hmm. drivers. So that was really okay, fun because cool. it's only, I think, the second film I've seen from her. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, no, I'll definitely have to check that one out. I've been, yeah, curious about that one because I'm the same. I, I love all those sort of films as well, but they can seriously go one way or the other, mm. you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, for for... I think it depends. Like someone told me, um, oh, well, it's better than Cold Pursuit. And so I had to look up what that was and read some very (laughs) convoluted like synopsis, but it just sounded Mm. really boring. Whereas this one has the whole ice thing, which is what drew me to Mm. it. It's not just action movie with Liam Neeson. It was more about Mm. they're on the ice road driving trucks and have to get through to Mm. this place in in time to save Mm. miners that are trapped in the mine. So. What under 18s? Miners trapped in a, 
under 18s uh yeah so um well uh speaking of movies based on roads uh <laughs> oh man this is gonna be a thing now i think every uh, every episode we're gonna try and segue uh uh the last movie that i that i wanted to talk about um that i just saw a few nights ago which is a movie that is one of those films ever since 1997 when i tell people that i have not seen this film i get either strange looks or chastised or yelled at or you know unfriended whatever um but i finally got around to seeing david lynch's lost highway which did not have ice on it um or liam neeson for that matter but um yeah now that was an interesting film um i i loved it i it was one of those ones i had to go away and think about it though because i was like i think i loved it for all various reasons but then there were things that because yeah i mean you know me i i'm the sort of person that likes to have the blanks filled in i like all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to be intact at the end of it and that one gave you yeah like most of the puzzle but there were a lot of sections that were just left with no pieces to fill them and uh i had to wrestle with that in my brain but look here's the thing if any other filmmaker had made that film i don't think it would have worked david lynch is the only person who could have made that film the way it was and gotten away with it i mean when you have a character that just suddenly becomes a completely different character for no reason where the other characters are like oh hang on that's not the character that was there before this is somebody else like what the absolute hell um and so there were things like that that did perplex me but you know i read a few analyses and reviews and things afterwards and it fascinated me the fact that nearly every single one had a different interpretation of the film Mm. and i think that's the magic of david lynch's stuff is that there is no right or wrong you know what whatever you think happened okay that is what happened and he kind of you know dabbles in this sort of fantasy stuff and a lot and um yeah look i i really dug it that is a movie that is definitely going to stay in my brain forever and i will have to buy the blu-ray at some point because um yeah i i definitely really love that one i know you're a big fan of that one yes that's my favorite lynch so i'm glad right, that you liked right. it more than a yeah oh yeah look a razorhead's a movie i'll have to i mean i watched that when i was like in my teens or something and i didn't know what an art house film was um i was more well that's probably more experimental than art house yeah yeah that's true um so that is a film i will have to watch again at some point with a more uh, i was gonna say a more mature set of eyes but i think i'm still 15 in my brain but um anyway (laughs) with an older set of eyes let's just put it that way (laughs) uh yeah but um yeah those those were the those were the highlights for me for for the last uh, last couple of weeks well i have a couple more i have to update mm-hmm. you on the brad Dourif film chain dance which i told <laughs> you about last time yes <laughs> yes the one where the the prisoners are what is it chained to a wheelchair no what was it yeah again? that's it <laughs> yeah okay so It sounded insane and I wasn't sure what to Mm. expect from the movie, but Mm -hmm. what's interesting is um, 
Michael Ironside actually had a lot to do with the mm. film. He co-wrote right. the screenplay. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and so he was really cool in this, his character. Mm. It was really interesting. He had long hair. And, like, the mm. opening scene, he pulls up to the place. There's a girl there who... Um, is amazing she's one of my favorite character types where she's just mm. really happy and you know upbeat mm -hmm. and everything and then yep. he's like where's this person and she's like she's inside but don't go up because the cops are there and then mm. he basically ends up setting a cop car on fire and that's oh, why wow. he ends up in prison <laughs> <laughs> oh okay but yeah so basically the prison is underfunded or understaffed or something so they get mm -hmm. this thing that they're going to go send prisoners i think they take like five of them to go to this home where they have people with cerebral palsy and they're going to chain mm. them to the wheelchairs and they're going to be their carers <laughs> which is <laughs> it sounds insane yeah. but actually the movie turned out to be really good and quite sweet right. in the end because oh, okay. uh, michael ironside gets paired up with brad Dourif and mm -hmm. they like he's a dick in in mm -hmm. this and so they mm -hmm. hate each other and there's a lot of stuff that they're doing to each other and all of that but mm -hmm. eventually they start kind of getting to know each other but one of the other prisoners who came and it is just like the asshole prisoner who like mm -hmm. tips the guy out of the wheelchair onto the floor and then just like lays on his bed to just relax <laughs> and just you don't do nothing and mm -hmm. he's the sort of over the top thing of the movie but right. michael ironside gets on his bad side because he's trying to stop him doing awful things to another guy in the prison and mm. so then it becomes yeah the thing of that and then the prisoner gets sent somewhere else but he escapes and he's coming to like mm -hmm. come after michael ironside and attack him and <laughs> yeah so there's kind of a big showdown thing at the end of them catching up and right, the right. end sort of third act part with what is going on with brad Dourif and ironside and the girls and mm. stuff was just so good so nice mm -hmm. and it had yeah. such a cool ending because you know <laughs> you're worrying for people's lives mm. with the stuff going down because this awful over-the-top prisoner is coming to try and kill oh, everybody okay. So yeah, I, right. I I know you've said you're a Michael Ironside fan, so you I'm definitely very much so, need yeah. to watch it. All right, well there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard it here first. Chain Dance, in case you were wondering, is definitely worth checking out. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and then I have one more film. Yep, my yep. favorite of the last couple of weeks. I mm. watched Desperately Seeking Susan, ah, which got on my radar because. I saw a fancy Blu-ray and then I was like, oh, I remember seeing that a lot, like years mm -hmm. ago, but I don't remember exactly what I thought of it. I should watch it again. And I don't know if I ever watched the whole thing because I only really remembered stuff from the beginning, but right. this has Rosanna Arquette's like a bored housewife and she's mm -hmm. fascinated by personal ads in the paper from a guy called Jim, who's desperately seeking Susan and they meet up right. when she's in town. So she goes mm -hmm. to their meetup place to see who they are. And then she ends up like Madonna is Susan. And so she ends up mm -hmm. stalking her, following her around the city and ends up mm -hmm. with her jacket because she swapped it in a shop for a pair of boots and then oh, finds okay. a key in the jacket. And it's like, oh, that's the key to her locker. So she puts an ad in mm -hmm. the paper to meet up with Susan. Mm -hmm. 
and the Jim sees the ad from a stranger, so he calls his friend, who's Aiden Quinn, mm. and says, can you go check and make sure Susan's okay? And what mm. happens is, oh, I should point out, there's also a bad guy after Susan because she stole <laughs> stuff from another guy. Ah, right. So the bad guy comes. He thinks that Rosanna Arquette is Susan because she's got the jacket on. So he uh, okay. attacks her. She hits her head, loses her memory. Mm. Aiden mm. Quinn comes along, thinks that she's Susan. Oh, wow. So he starts talking to her. She can't remember that mm. she's not Susan. Right. And so the film then follows them trying to figure out what's going on and falling in mm -hmm. love, which oh. I completely understand because Aiden Quinn, I don't think, has ever looked hotter than in this film. And then Madonna's <laughs> also after them because she didn't meet up in the place because of all that stuff right. that happened. And so she wants her stuff back so she needs the key mm. to the locker and everything mm. so yeah and then okay. the bad guy's still after everyone so it just kind of is a bit of back and forth and following them around yeah. but it's just such a light breezy fun film and yeah no it actually sounds really good I, I to be honest i've never known what the film was about i i'm aware of when it came out and i actually just sort of thought at the time because you know of course madonna was like you know at the peak of her popularity then mm. um and well that's arguably of course um but yeah i just kind of thought uh, it just seemed like a madonna vehicle you know just i actually um, feel like madonna is kind of in the back seat in this yeah right, she, right okay i mean she looks cool because you know the fashions mm. of that time and everything mm -hmm. but i feel like it's more about rosanna arquette and aiden quinn and fo yeah. following them and madonna's just there because she's trying to get her stuff back and they do spend right. time on her away from it all but i just to mm. me she didn't really stand out mm. as much as the other two okay interesting yeah yeah because um yeah no it's, I, I should probably check it out i do like a, a good you know mistaken identity story mm. so um, yeah it's really good yeah. really funny good comedy because mm -hmm. then you've also you... got the her husband who has reported her missing and is trying to find her right, but he's right. like total asshole so you don't want him to find her because you yeah. want her to be with aiden quinn oh all right well um i i hmm say do you know if that movie was ever nominated for any oscar awards <laughs> I don't believe it was, but speaking of Oscar awards, <laughs> did you like that segue? Was that good hmm. enough for you? Could have given yeah. Aiden Quinn one just for being like the most beautiful man in cinema of that year. I don't know if he was. <laughs> I don't know all the movies that came out that year, but all right, that's a challenge. He, he would for the be next nominated episode. at least. We're gonna have to find out who the most beautiful man in <laughs> cinema was for that year. What year was it? Eighty six. Eighty five. Eighty five. 85 okay so if anyone wants to uh get onto our socials uh you can find us on twitter at dan underscore and underscore frankie you can email us at dan and frankie podcast at gmail.com or look i don't know we're on facebook and crap like that just google us um yeah come along and let us know who you think the uh the most beautiful man of cinema 1985 was um but yes, of course, over the last, uh, since, since the last episode, we've had the nominations for the uh, 2024 Academy Awards came out and they have caused quite a, uh, quite a stir on social media, which 
Really? What? Oscar nominations causing controversy? No way. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, the big one for this year was, of course, the fact that uh, neither Margot Robbie or Greta Gerwig were nominated for uh, Best Actress or Best Director for Barbie. And yet the film was, of course, nominated for Best Picture and... Uh, the big controversy was that Ryan Gosling was nominated for actor in a supporting role. Um, so, which, I mean, that alone, like, wasn't he, like, actor in a lead role in that film? Am I, I, I don't really know how the terminology works, but, or, or does that mean that, like, it has to be the central character for actor Maybe. in a lead role? Because, um, yeah. I well, guess I guess when you compare works. him to the, best actors like they are yeah very i'm looking at that characters. now yeah okay all right fair enough supporting role um yeah and look i i mean of course there's a ton of memes out there saying that you know uh, th this happened if, if only someone would make it make a movie about how the patriarchy is dominating you know strong females oh wait a minute um so yeah look i i I know there's a lot of politics and red tape and all of that sort of stuff and money, of course, uh, with Oscar nominations and whatnot. I personally feel like the magic has gone out of the Oscars. Like I remember back in the nineties, it all felt, you know, like such a, such a wonderful time of year. And I get really excited and go to events and all that sort of stuff. Whereas now, yeah, it just seems all political and stuff. But uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on this whole mm. fiasco? Well, I'd be curious, but I don't care enough to research. If mm -hmm. back in the day, was it always just a handful of movies that were kind of in every award? Because I feel like the Oscars are pretty boring and other mm. awards things too. It's like the same handful of movies. There'll be a couple of other ones here and there, but it's generally the same mm. movies all the time. And it just seems really... Yeah uninteresting to me that it's all same oh no it, it was like that back then but um i i think also now you know because of social media like i, I you know again i'm thinking back to the 90s where we didn't have we didn't have the internet mm. you know um and so you didn't hear about everybody else's opinions and all of these things like you know memes and stuff like Back then, it was just you know you you you'd find a newspaper or a magazine or whatever, and you'd read the nominations, and you'd be like, okay, cool, yeah, there's a lot of my favorite movies in there, and um, and not only that, but back then, they did tend to concentrate more on your kind of blockbuster genre films and stuff, um, whereas nowadays a lot of the films are more topical, uh, you know, the films with messages and stuff like that, like. It has changed dramatically over the last like 30 years. Uh, but I think social media is one of the things that is really killing the magic because yeah, now it's just a big freaking bitch fest on Twitter or wherever and people have got all these opinions and you know spouting them as though those are the only ones that matter and everything and it's just like yeah just you know take me back to a simpler time. So Yeah, it's actually uh, really annoying because 
Like, Killian Murphy's one of my favorite actors. So, of mm. course, I'd be happy if he won. But at the same time, I just don't care <laughs> because yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. it's just so annoying. And there's like the whole hate train mm. for uh, Bradley Cooper now that started up. So, there's just like mm-hmm. a- anything he says gets reported mm. negatively and is this big yeah. deal. And I'm just like, ugh, I don't care. I'm just going to just keep mm. watching my uh, random movies. It's kind of like horror to how. The awards just shun horror and like the big one example mm. is like tony collette and hereditary like that mm. was such an amazing performance oh, but was it no ever. didn't get nominated because it's mm. a horror film yeah yeah i completely agree um but i mean yeah another reason i guess why i'm not that excited is because out of all of the best picture nominees i have seen four of the films and that is not necessarily my fault there's things like poor things which doesn't even look like we're getting a theatrical release here now there there is a palace well very limited yeah Yeah, very very limited like none of the mainstream theaters have got it um you know there's a couple films that i don't think have even come out here yet um so yeah Yeah, i think the zone of interest is still coming yeah, I mean, I'd really love to see that. It looks fascinating, but... I'm not sure about yeah. American fiction. Uh, yeah, I don't know too much about that film, but... Um, yeah, so, I don't know. I can't get excited about the Oscars this year. I don't even know if I'd watch it, to be honest. I'll read the winners and be like, Oh, look, Oppenheimer won everything. Yay, cinema. <laughs> 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 I mean... Yeah, because... I'm just curious yeah. that... Uh, I mean, I I don't remember the movie. I remember the score. But as far as sound goes with Oppenheimer, like, it's up for best sound. And all mm. I think of was when we were sitting in the cinema and the movie started mm-hmm. and someone starts talking. I don't even remember who now, if it's him or what. And I had mm. to concentrate so hard to mm. hear what was being said because it was drowned yep. out by the music. And so whenever mm-hmm. I see that it's nominated for best sound, I just remember that and think, oh, mm-hmm. what constitutes best sound? <laughs> oh, look, yeah, I, as you know, I was right there with you on that. I'm sitting there, I'm just thinking to myself, this is just such a dreadful sound mix, uh, which is becoming kind of a staple of, uh, of Christopher Nolan's films now, because I know a lot of people complained about that with Tenet as well. Um, and I, I did agree with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I just don't really have a lot to say about the Oscars this year, but, uh, other than, yeah, thanks social media. You've, uh, you've killed it, you know, good job. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> but yeah, look, I mean, as far as the only, uh, category that I'm really excited because it's got movies like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Mission Impossible Debt Racketing and Godzilla and stuff is the visual effects category. But speaking of visual effects, how about we talk about the film that won the best visual effects Oscar in 1980? 
Alright, so we are kicking off our uh, our three movie uh, discussion this week, or this fortnight, with the movie Alien, which came out in 1979. It was directed by Ridley Scott, and it simply tells the story of a uh, ragtag group of uh, people on a spaceship out in the middle of God knows where out in the universe who uh, stumble upon a distress call on a planet they go down and uh john hurt gets pregnant and <laughs> gives birth to something that menaces and terrorizes the ship and uh it, yeah is essentially a horror film in space i think maybe it might have been the first of that kind of film but uh either way of course it's one of the most successful films ever made it spawned a massive franchise, a massively successful franchise, a sequel that a lot of people consider to be one of the best sequels ever made, and uh, yeah, it was one that I, for one, hadn't seen in a very long time. How about you? Uh, I saw it a few years back, mm. but um, yeah, I, I didn't actually see this until not that long, like within the last... 15 years or something i didn't see it when okay, i was right. young actually mm -hmm. the i think the one that's set in the prison i don't mm -hmm. know if alien three what, what number yeah that i yep. think that's the first one i saw oh wow. and then it was like a number of years later that i actually went back to the beginning and watched yeah. all of the films right. so i think the first and the third and prometheus mm -hmm. i've seen a couple of times mm -hmm. and the others once right right okay uh yeah look i i believe i saw it when i was very young but i it didn't wow me as a kid because it is quite a slow burning film uh and yeah there's there's a lot of scenes of dialogue and stuff and you know so for a kid of course i'm kind of like ah oh, man you know when, when are they gonna pull out lightsabers um but yeah because of course as a kid that was the kind of movie that i wanted to see whereas now oh man this movie is just phenomenal um there's so much i love about this film uh the one thing that really stood out to me watching it the other day was the lighting and cinematography in the film um everything from the exterior shots of the nostromo where it's got these bold contrasts you know because the ship's got these big sort of tower like structures and you know one side will be just black the other side will be brightly lit and even inside the ship like there's just all this really dramatic lighting you know like backlit with smoke everywhere and stuff like i mean it is a gorgeous gorgeous film to look at um and the thing that stood out for me was mm -hmm. the um design of everything yes in the ship and i guess mm. that's part of the time it was made that they actually would build stuff and do mm. it all and i kind of love old technology in films like mm. the kind of computer screens they have on the ships and everything back back in mm -hmm. the day before 
everything was all digital and whatever. Or the and room the, with of the course the effects as well, like all the practical yeah. alien effects and stuff. The, the the room where they go talk to mother, where it's just got yeah. light bulbs all around. It's like yeah, I'm oh, like man, what, that's what so cool. interesting design for a spaceship. Yeah, like, we're just yeah. gonna make this room with all these lights that go around yeah, for no yeah. reason. <laughs> um, look, yeah, I I had the same thing, like set design, costumes, and everything. Like mm. it it took a diversion from your typical sort of 60s and 70s uh sci-fi where everything was clean you know like everything mm. was very pristine and i guess in a way it was probably uh it could have been inspired by star wars because uh the first star wars you know a new hope from 77 was uh widely celebrated as one of the first films where they made everything look used you know it was like a worn worn out universe you know where you look at like the millennium falcon you know han solo's ship and it was kind of modified and you know there was like nothing was pristine it would look like it was made from a lot of junk um and i think so maybe it sort of took a cue from that but yeah everything was you know very well lived in and not clean and like even all the uniforms and everything and this the sort of diversity of the outfits you know where you had uh like harry dean stanton's character you know brett was wearing a hawaiian shirt over a long sleeve t-shirt and everything it was awesome oh yeah 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 um you know things like that i i just thought was so freaking cool um so yeah it was a gorgeous looking film and yeah as you said the fact that it was practical effects uh the fact that the alien was a person in a costume and stuff i mean look admittedly when the alien does first burst out of john hurt's chest and runs off it does look kind of weird it's just like this thing running across the table um you can just almost see the person under it holding it on a stick or whatever but um but i still admire the fact that they did that you know and they didn't because i think you can get away with it looking a bit silly after like what's just happened oh yeah yeah for (laughs) sure because you're still in shock of what just happened like i remember Mm. the first time watching that i kind of knew it was coming of course because it's everyone talks about it but Mm. i hadn't seen it before so Mm. it's pretty full-on yeah well i watched it with kylie and she had seen it before but remembered nothing about it and I didn't find that out until not uh, fairly shortly before the dinner scene. And so when she said that, I was like, oh, so you don't know what's about to happen next? She's like, no, nah. I was like, ooh. Um, there was like a major thing that I'll mm. have to leave till the sealed section mm-hmm. that I had completely forgotten about. Oh, okay. And, right, and right. I'm sitting there thinking, something's not right what's going on mm-hmm. and it didn't even come back to me until yeah. it was revealed and then i was like oh that's right is that to do with the character of ash played by ian home yes yeah yeah yeah. i know exactly where you're going with this one <laughs> uh but fun fact uh in that dinner scene none of the actors actually realized how visceral it was going to be and so there's a brief shot of uh what was it was it lambert um when she just gets blasted in the face with blood and stuff and that was actually her reaction is actually real if you watch that like she had no idea that she was about to get you know splattered like that um and i think yeah the whole cast like didn't realize what it was going to be like so uh yeah that's that's always fun to watch that but um i you know i mean of course ripley is just one of the most iconic 
sci-fi action movie characters. She's up there with Sarah Connor, you know. I mean, people love her, and you can tell why in this film. I love that, you know, she was disobeying a direct order from the captain not to let those people back in, and, you know, and she was just, like, maintaining her composure and everything, and um, so many times, like, she's right about everything. You know, she was such a great character, and just so And she cared about saving the cat. Yes, well, yeah, I mean, that is obviously... You know, a sign of a good person. Oh yeah, absolutely it is. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did kind of think. And look, I think it's just more because we're conditioned now for you know more extreme kind of horror. I, I, yeah, for me, it's not a very scary film. I'm just going to throw it out there. Like I, I know that there are a lot of people who think otherwise like i was reading a lot of letterbox reviews and some people put it up there with the scariest movies ever made and i'm just like oh really i don't know about that um i mean it does offer a lot of really good tension there's no doubt about that Mm. and i mean there's just the whole concept and idea and everything is brilliant um i think that's something i really appreciate in films now mm. um is that they don't go overboard with Mm. all the alien stuff yeah yeah because it's kind of like um some differences in blockbusters like you know back in the day you'd have a team of people in a movie and they'd be fine at the end of the film and now Mm. it's like oh you can't have everyone survive you have to kill off some Mm. of them because you know there's the drama in the Mm -hmm. you know emotional thing and it's like well you could just let them all live and just you know be happy Mm. yeah yeah (laughs) and so it's like this like now you know everyone would go so full-on with the horror and the aliens Mm. i actually don't remember the rest of the movies enough to know how the balance changes of that how much alien stuff is in each of the films oh okay because how much it's been ages since i've seen them how well do you remember aliens the one that comes after that like pretty much not at all i've only seen it once oh wow okay it this is actually, a, I am planning, like, I've been meaning to for a while you to have, yeah. rewatch the franchise, which yeah, is partially yeah. why I suggested it. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to have a lot so to talk about. So I am going to watch through them again. And actually, there's that new one coming out mm. a- April, maybe? Some mm. Sometime this year. I think it's maybe first half of the year. Mm-hmm. And um, I did just hear today that apparently one of the actors leaked it set between the first and second film. So, yeah, cool. Um, even though it's a standalone story. So I'm oh, good. hopeful that um, mm-hmm. the timing will work out well, that I won't be waiting yeah. too long. But, yeah, I'll have them all fresh in my head by then. Yeah, cool. Because, yeah, like I said before, Aliens is widely regarded as a film that is just it vastly surpasses the first one now it's a completely different sort of a film because it's more of an action war film um there's barely any sort of horror subtleness to it it is a full-on war film um and it lives up to its title let me just put it that way i mean the first one was called alien because there's one the second one there's a lot of them um but yeah i'm one of the people who i also agree the second one is hugely better than the first and one of the greatest Mm. movies ever made it really is you can't deny that 
Um, but yeah, so but I, I like that all of the films have a different style and tone and whatnot. Yeah. It's a good thing, you know, rather than just rehashing. Well, the, the same thing, thing with this one too, it's not like oh, it's a slog to sit through to oh, get no. to the alien stuff. Mm. Like it's interesting, right? From well, I think it's interesting, right from the beginning. Same, yeah. And I mean, I yeah. did remember it as being slow. That's something mm. that I thought, like from my memory, even mm. though I didn't remember a lot of the film, just yeah. bits and pieces, but not the overall big thing. So I didn't remember how much alien stuff was actually in it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I actually found as soon as it got going, I was just like in it and mm. just... Yeah, yeah, the whole runtime. So. Yeah, I think a lot of the reason why, even though it is a bit slow moving, I think a lot of the reason why it works is because if you listen to the dialogue in that film and the performances delivering that dialogue, it's amazing. It is so realistic. It is the way that people actually talk to each other. Um, there were so many moments where I actually kind of stopped and thought, wow, this conversation's really realistic. And yeah the way like the chemistry between everybody was phenomenal and that really added to the tension especially when people start getting bumped off uh you know you you cared about the characters and you know that is something that mm. so many horror films nowadays don't do i mean i go back to all the boys love mandy lane like i did not care one shred about a single person on screen um whereas yeah this film you, yeah you really genuinely cared about everybody and so i think that just yeah that that really made it what it is and why it's such a successful film to this day um so yeah no i was really really happy to to watch that one again i've got to watch it more often i think because um it is it is truly an exceptional film and gotta love all the hr geiger stuff oh like Absolutely. I remember back in the 90s that was like the big thing I had yeah. a little hardcover notebook that had right, his art right. on the front and just yeah his stuff's mm. also cool was that when you were going through your goth phase probably must yeah. have been he is often associated time. with goths like yeah uh, I did love as well yeah there were there were a few moments where because you know there's all these weird sort of hanging pipes and things and stuff there was one moment in particular where the camera is going along and you actually just blatantly if you know what to look for you see the alien like right there in the foreground just sort of suspended hanging there with all the pipes you can see its big shiny head and the camera just goes past and i'm just like oh my god that is so cleverly done um because you know i know there's the bit later on where it's hiding inside a wall crevice uh, sort of you know just just trying to have a nap i mean come on let alien sleep he's he's you know, had a busy day um but yeah there was this one shot where it went along and and i was like oh my god that is so clever like they just didn't hide the fact that the alien's right there but because it's got that biomechanical sort of a design you know with those pipes coming out of its back and everything like it just blended in so well with the ship so yeah no it was uh, there's so much about that film that was just pure genius but um yeah no i can't wait for you to revisit aliens uh yeah i think i'll be doing the same myself soon because um yeah that is a that is a truly outstanding flick mm. yeah um so that was that was the one that we uh yeah we gave ourselves for uh, for our mutual film but um now 
you gave me a film and we only just found out what it's actually called or did we i don't yeah. know well it's it's one of those different names in different regions type of movies mm. all similar but just yeah yeah the language um, thing exactly so uh, shall, shall i read that little uh, wikipedia bit okay um so it's okay so the movie might be called frostbite it might be called frostbitten uh it depends where you look but i personally thought it was frostbite but then i looked on wikipedia and it said the title is an obvious play on frostbite because the movie takes place in a frozen environment and features vampires who bite people the original title was something wicked this way comes after the famous shakespearean quote the producers liked the Swedish title Frostbiten more since it was more international and they could create its English language title by simply removing the final letter. Teasers and trailers on film festivals therefore wore the name Frostbite. However, it was only called Frostbite in the United Kingdom. In the United States, the movie is called Frostbitten, which is a more precise translation of the original title, which I thought was interesting because, yeah, last time you told me you're gonna watch frostbitten i'm like okay and then i couldn't find it and then i found a movie called frostbite and i'm like what is going on here but um yeah, anyway because my dvd is the cover they're using on letterboxd mm -hmm. which is an american dvd so it's frostbitten so that's why i've always known it as that title i'm happy to go with frostbitten but uh yeah so since this was uh this was your uh, your pick for me what's it about Okay, so this is about a mother and... Oh, I've watched a lot of mother and daughter really movies have. recently. <laughs> so have I, but you know, they've, they've more stepmother and stepdaughter and that's on a completely different uh, website. So let's not get into that. <laughs> so a mother and daughter moved to this town because the mum's got a job at a hospital and it's a town that's just going into the time where for 30 days the sun won't be up. And so the daughter becomes friends with someone at school who invites her to a party and the mother goes to the hospital and meets a doctor there and at this hospital with this weird doctor um there's like a young hospital orderly student doctor orderly yeah tech guy i don't <laughs> some some hospital related thing they don't actually say mm. uh he finds these drugs these little red capsules and they end up going to this house party that the teenagers are having and they're actually vamp turn you into a vampire because the doctor's been doing genetic testing stuff. <laughs> so basically, uh, the, the mum is having stuff going on at the hospital with the doctor and a weird patient and, and she gets bitten by this weird patient and stuff happens. And then the daughter is trying to survive this party where vampires are. Mm, yeah. So it's just a, I mean, I didn't say this was a favorite movie. Mm. I just remembered the little I remembered of it yeah. uh, being fun, which is a scene where one of the guys who has taken the drug and is becoming a vampire has to go to his girlfriend's house to meet her family for dinner. And mm. that's the, the main scene I remembered because mm -hmm. it was quite funny. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I, I'd never heard of it until the last episode where you said, you must watch this movie. Um, look, I... I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. For me, this was the epitome of a middle ground film. Um, I mean, I gave it two and a half out of five on Letterboxd, and I think that sums it up. Like That's what I gave it to. Right, right. Um, 
like I wrote I, in, in my notes, I've written the good and the bad. So uh, for me, the good was the setting. I thought, um, you know, snow covered Sweden uh, with that whole 30 days of night. Hmm, that would make a good title for a vampire yeah. <laughs> movie. Oh, wait. Um, I thought that was great. Um, I mean, yeah, it really set a good tone for it. Um, the dinner meeting scene that you talked about, yeah, I, I thought that was terrific. I, um, yeah, I like the whole sort of thing of, you know, the, the transformation into vampires wasn't like anything we've really seen before. It, um, yeah, sort of like went more sort of gradually than rather than just sort of turning straight away or whatever. Um, I do love the idea of pills that turn people into vampires. That was cool. That was a really, really, really good idea. And I I kind of think that that was one of the things for me. If the film had just been about that, it would have been a better film for me, especially at a party setting, you know? I mean, like, yeah, that scene was fantastic. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, for me, yeah, it was a good film. Um, there were things like that that just really set the bar, but... I also had the visual effects I thought were really, uh, really good as well. Um, a lot of practical stuff. There was one shot in particular that stood out big time where a um, girl and a guy are in a bathroom and he's, he's you know, in the process of changing. Uh, and then the lights go out and you just see these red eyes in the darkness. And I thought that looked so cool. You know, there was a lot of great visual effects, but... That was the thing. Um, so with the bad, I've, I put I thought the plot was kind of lackluster, but it is hard to get vampire films right. I mean, you know, for every interview with the vampire, you get you know a dozen or so ones that just yeah yeah are very questionable. Um, mm. I did think the World War Two stuff, and that, that's what I mean. It, it it sort of felt like two different films, you know that. That stuff was cool, but I thought... Yeah, it was it... the cold open was guys during the war that yeah. kind of sets the beginning of the guy who becomes the doctor yeah, later. Yeah, I get that, but I felt they were tonally just two very, very different things. And I just thought, yeah, the ending was very abrupt. Like, you know, it sort of ends with that scene in the ambulance and I'm thinking, oh, okay, what happens next? Oh, credits, okay. Uh, so... Yeah, so, yeah, look, I, I didn't hate it. Um, I, because I was thinking to myself, well, what's the point of talking about it? So the point of talking about it is if you are a vampire movie fan and you have not seen it, I would 100% recommend watching it. Um, yeah, it's it's not a bad entry into the vampire oeuvre, if that is how you pronounce that word. Uh, but, yeah, that's the only people I would recommend it to because it wasn't scary wasn't that funny it uh yeah but it was it was okay i i, I didn't yeah. hate it i that's yeah i had a good time has some funny stuff mm. and enough to keep it interesting mm -hmm. yeah i mean i wouldn't watch it again uh you know i've seen it i can move on um yeah but anyway but i do thank you for for forcing me to watch it that was uh <laughs> yeah but um, but speaking of forcing people to watch movies, um, so I have in my page of notes, I've got 
frostbite like i said i've got the good the bad i've got all these notes alien i've got you know lighting with an exclamation mark i've got you know all these other things and everything then it comes to kung pao enter the fist where all i've written is best fucking movie ever made exclamation mark <laughs> wow yep um so that is so wrong <laughs> here we go because now for all of those uh listening at home i up until now have no idea what frankie thought of this film i got a message from her uh with a picture of chosen one with his tongue out and tonguey on the end and it said what the fuck dan <laughs> <laughs> And I, I th- is that good? What the fuck or bad? What the fuck? But then I've sort of seen clues that make me sense that this is going to be a really interesting discussion. <laughs> so Kung Pao Into the Fist is a movie that came out in 2002 by writer-director Steve Oderkirk. Now, Steve Oderkirk has done a really diverse range of films uh he wrote the film patch adams with robin williams uh which was critically acclaimed um he's done more uh, i know it's an oxymoron but more serious comedies uh such as nothing to lose with tim robbins and martin lawrence uh he's written a lot of children's films like the jimmy neutron film and uh, a lot of things he's done a vast range of things but this time around, he bought the rights to a 1976, I want to say, uh, film, a Hong Kong martial arts film called Tiger and Crane Fist. And essentially, he digitally inserted himself into the film, like put his face over that of the main actor. Um, he dubbed every single voice in the film on his own, aside from one female character named Wo um but he also filmed a lot of scenes himself like he recreated some of the set pieces and whatnot um to make this film and it's essentially the story of a man who is the chosen one who is um destined to save the world from an evil council of french aliens who have uh, selected master pain as their uh you know i don't know what you'd call him their their diplomat on earth uh who changes his name to betty and yeah anyway look i yeah i love this film i went and saw it in the cinemas in 2002 because by that point i was already an odekirk fan and as i said in the last episode i'm sitting there thinking to myself this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life, but I was crying from laughter. And the other day, watching it again, the first 15 minutes, I had tears rolling down my face because I was laughing so hard. Um, what did you think of it, Frankie? Wow, I can't believe you were laughing that much. That you were crying. <laughs> I was, I was. I love the film. I do not. <laughs> This really? is kind of like why I don't like those like old Adam Sandler comedies mm-hmm. where it's just too stupid. Mm-hmm. I just can't get on board with it. I just like roll my eyes. I don't know if you watch it when you're young, but it's more of a thing because, you know, you can watch stupid stuff when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. But now I just, there was a couple of funny things. Um but yeah 
<laughs> what were the couple? I gotta know. Um, well, the face on the tongue was interesting. Hey, that's the, tongue. He's got a name. Um, yeah, okay. Um, the picture that's actually on Letterbox, where he ends up with eyeballs mm-hmm. on the ends of his fingers. Mm-hmm. The stuff with the cow was interesting enough. <laughs> and um, the music, the you can't touch this, and baby got back being played mm. during some of the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Oh, and the lady that picks up the baby rolling down the hill. Oh, yeah. And then so it's just cute. like, aren't you cute? And then yeah. just sets him off rolling <laughs> down the next hill. But yeah, it was just... A bit too it over the top. felt really long. Oh, wow. And the, the girl with her wee-oo-wee-oo, whatever, that just got Ling. more over the movie mm. she was doing it more and more it was driving me nuts <laughs> look i've always maintained that about this film i've always said that it's the kind of film you're either gonna love it or hate it there's no middle ground you know it yeah it is absolutely stupid i am never going to argue with anyone who walks away from it thinking nah, that didn't work for me because yeah i get it i know i don't know it's just for me it worked you know there are were so many from the small things you know like the ninja with the smoke bomb you know and he like hits it on the ground and it just makes this little <laughs> you know i was like standing like oh come on um to just i i think for me steve odekirk just i i i don't know i i get what you're saying about the adam sandler stuff but i think for me steve odekirk i'm on his wavelength more than say adam sandler um so for you know when he's delivering that whole monologue about how you know killing is wrong and there should be a you know and, and it's bad and there should be you know a, a stronger word killing is badong and then he's going to stand for the opposite of that which is gnadab you know yeah that is ridiculous that is so stupid but there's just something about odekirk that I just love, you know, I, I've loved him in everything that I've seen him in, you know, even from the stupid stuff to, you know, more kind of serious stuff. Like, yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, look, I'm, I'm one of the people who just, yeah, absolutely loved that film. Um, and I know that I'm not the only one. I mean, what, what's it? It's got a 3.2 average rating on yeah. Letterboxd. So there's a very high bar for five stars. <laughs> Um, so I know I'm not the only one, and, and there's been a lot of people who've been campaigning for the uh, the, the teased sequel uh, <laughs> at the end, which never happened. But um, yeah, um, I mean, look for me, it wasn't perfect. I do, yeah, look, I do think the the silliness went a little bit too wasn't far. Wasn't perfect. At times. I see you gave it four point five stars. I so did. You had I it did. Close to. I know, and like the whole concept <laughs> of French aliens and everything was. Yeah, it, it does go a little bit too far at times, but the fact that I've been quoting this movie now for 22 years, I mean, the amount of times I will say to people, you go that way, I'll go home. Or, you know, that's a lot of nuts. And, you know, just, I mean, holy shit, I have been quoting this movie so much. And so, you know, obviously for me, yeah, it was a winner. I... I, I think, you know, if, if you're the sort of person who likes silly humor, I implore you to watch this movie. <laughs> um, and, and if you've seen it, you'll get that joke. Uh, yeah, but anyway. Yeah, I think I prefer my 
weird comedy rather than the really too far yeah because i remember uh nobbins said to you that if you like hot rod you're gonna like this movie which i thought at the time like okay that might be uh yeah definitely this is no way near as as hot rod (laughs) yeah no that's (laughs) completely different that's fair enough no look like i said i will never criticize anyone for not liking this film because um yeah it, it's it's definitely i wouldn't say an acquired taste but like i said you've got to be on the wavelength of odakirk i think in order to appreciate it but uh yeah it's very yeah. specific you have to like because it's a parody but it's mm. like to the extreme oh yeah yeah stupid stuff yeah yeah no doubt about that whatsoever uh all right well um so that being said, we we have chosen our uh, our mutual film for next week, and I'm excited because it is it's it's up there with my favourites, and I can't wait to talk about it. What are we going to be talking about next time? Batman. Woohoo! Not the Batman. Not Batman Begins. We're going way back to 1989 with Tim Burton's Batman, the film that was oh my god the definition of a blockbuster um yeah i'm not gonna ramble on about it now because of course we will be talking about that on the uh on the next podcast episode but i'm very excited because uh yeah and i know there's a lot of people who love that film as well so it's gonna be a fun one but um but that being said, we shall we shall we do our usual thing of uh three movies to choose from so uh, for anyone who has, if this is the first time you've joined our podcast, we will give each other, we, we pick three movies for each other as homework for the next week. We have to choose one, but rather than describing the film, we will give each other a review uh, that is either from Rotten Tomatoes or Letterboxd um, that will kind of give us a vague idea of what the movie's going to be like. So uh whose turn is it is it your turn to read to me don't remember how about you go first then okay i'm calling this my payback edition (laughs) (laughs) i have picked uh one film is not a favorite of mine but Mm -hmm. it has a performance that i think is worth watching Mm -hmm. the other two are ones i quite like or one I haven't seen for a while, but I remember quite liking it, that lots of people do not like. Ooh. And so I have found bad reviews for all of them. Yay! All right, give it to me. Give okay. It to me, baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, okay, so film number one. It may be nearly 40 years old, but this movie is still every bit as entertaining and vital as it was the day it was released, which is to say it's not entertaining or vital at all. (laughs) A vanity project for two big stars who hadn't figured out what audiences wanted to see them do. This is an egocentric disaster, strictly for those who enjoy the palate cleansing zing of a truly tasteless bad movie. Ooh, okay, that's got me intrigued. Okay, let me find my next one. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, film number two. A rather silly concept drawn out to terribly silly lengths with so many horror movie cliches that the good devices are drowned out by the schlock. (laughs) Okie dokie. 
and oh actually i read you the wrong one. Oh, whoopsie days do you want to hear the other one yeah go for it okay you can get one for free Film looks like a bad copy of a few movies that are much better. The first half of the film still makes some sense because it is a mystery with elements of horror, but later the quality drops drastically. I'm honestly amazed at how some actors have agreed to star in a film like this. <laughs> Extremely bad, boring, and barely watchable film. Oh, wow. Okay, now, see, that sold me more than the other one. So, yeah. Ooh, okay. Two big contenders. Okay. Last film. Mm-hmm. I rarely turn a movie off after starting it as if it's my punishment for picking a horrible movie when it happens, but it came close with this one. The beginning is pure garbage as if everyone involved was purposefully trying to do a horrible job. Acting, script, cinematography and directing in general. Garbage horror stereotype characters blurting out horrible dialogue. But then an actor mm. shows up and gives me mixed feelings towards whether or not this is in fact a horrible film and it's a mystery what they ended up thinking wow um all right i mean i will just say that of the three movies one is doesn't have rotten tomatoes critic reviews and the other mm. two are 20 percent or less all right well i I, I do love the sound of all three because I'm kind of a masochist when it comes to that sort of stuff. But I'm I'm leaning towards the very first one. I I don't know. Vanity projects just appeal to me. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with whatever that one was. And by your reaction right now, I uh, I love this film so much. And what is it? What am I watching? You will be watching from mm -hmm. 1984, mm -hmm. Rhinestone with Dolly oh, Parton and, and Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Okay, all right. This is where she's a country singer, of mm. course, and she brags she can turn anybody into a country singing star. Mm -hmm. And Stallone is the taxi driver that she takes on for yep. this project. I know about the film, uh, but it is one that I have not seen. So I, I got it as part oh, of my... God. I found the DVD on eBay when I started my Stallone project and mm. thought, I'm going to watch this because Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's so... I think oh, it's got 2.4 on Letterboxd. That's oh, um, not too bad. Yeah, it's quite a range. I mean, so obviously it's no Kung Pao, but, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's not bad. That's what you're trying to tell me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great time. Mm -hmm. You get to see Sylvester Stallone sing. Right, right. Okay. No, that's cool. I It is not a movie that I ever thought I would ever watch, but uh, now I have to. So there you go. All right. Well, for you, I have chosen. Uh, I have chosen the large tub. No, I have chosen three. My my reviews are a lot shorter than yours. I I didn't realize we would do such long ones. But uh, so anyway, the first one. Uh, it's geek pride all the way. It's funny. It's exciting, and it has jokes about spaceman junk. Who could ask for anything more? So you got that one. Then the second one, uh, this was given to me as a Christmas present this year. And that friend is now my favorite person I know. Every minute of this movie screams, this is our first movie and we barely know what we're doing, but it works. <sighs> and then lastly, um, 
I've got the visuals were crack cocaine for the eyes, visually stimulating and dangerously alluring. A groundbreaking comic book adaptation that absolutely blew my mind with its bold eye-catching style and presentation. So you've got geek pride, funny spaceman junk. Uh, you've got um, barely know what we're doing, but it's a great film. Yeah, I'm going to go with the last one because of the talk about visuals. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. If you are after visuals, then look no further than Robert Rodriguez's Sin City. Um, ah, oh, That is on man. my shelf and it has been for years. <laughs> yeah, I know that that's a film that you haven't seen. And honestly, oh, man, you just don't know what you're missing. And I'm glad you picked that one, actually, because uh, it is phenomenal. I mean pretty much i think it's like 98 percent of the film is shot against green screen you know it's all yeah but if you if you I, w I would definitely recommend after you've seen the film go and have a look at some of the you know panels from the comic book online because it, it is literally the comic book come to life it's incredible uh but yeah it's got an amazing cast this is oh god it's such an amazing film so yes I, I'm doing you a favor. See, look, I've, I've subjected you to some of the worst films you've <laughs> seen in a long time. Now I'm redeeming myself. Oh, my God. And you're making me watch Rhinestone. Well, there you go. Hey, I, I gave Rhinestone four stars. Yikes. Okay. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's see how we go with that. But anyway. It's just a fun comedy. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. So, wow. So next podcast, stay tuned for our chat about Batman 1989 rhinestone and sin city <laughs> two uh, two comic book noir dark deep action films and rhinestone uh, <laughs> one of my other films was based on a book that probably would have been a better fit but oh okay uh, oh well now oh, well that's all right all right so before we go i uh think it's time to get a little saucy as we jump into the sealed section so for anyone who wants to hear about spoilers for the movies that we've been discussing uh stick around if you don't want to hear about any spoilers not that we got too many this time around but uh thank you very much for swinging on by and uh we will of course catch you on the next episode on friday the 16th of february uh where we'll be talking about batman and sin city and rhinestone uh yeah so till next time stay safe and for all of those who want to hear some spoilers let's go all right what do you got talk to me spoil me i only really have one thing i think which is an alien mm. uh with ash mm. i because you know he seems dodgy from the start he just doesn't really yes. react to things and ripley doesn't trust him almost and robotic yeah and i was just like what's going <laughs> on with him and i just could not remember mm. like what his deal was mm -hmm. but you obviously know there's something yeah, and um yeah. yeah so then when it happened and it mm -hmm. and it was revealed that he's like a robot <laughs> mm, that, yeah. that shocked me again because i'd forgotten that was a thing right right no that was actually that's a bigger plot point than you know because uh it it goes further into aliens as well there's um sort of a thing where ripley has this you know uh absolute utter disdain against uh against robots and stuff but um 
Yeah, no, and I thought it was really fascinating the way that they designed him, full of milk and balls. Um, like it was a really, really strange design, wasn't it? Hmm. No, it was really fascinating the way that um, that they did it as well. You know, the fact that you know Ian Holm was just like absolutely going berserk, and like you saw, like, what is he doing? Like it's really weird, and then. I mean, you know, if you don't know, of course, and then, yeah, when it's revealed. And I, again, the the visual effects and everything were, were quite stunning in that bit. You know, the way that they had, like, the, the sort of animatronic Ian head and all that sort of stuff was, um, yeah, no, very well done. But I also, um, you know, I also actually want to address the, the final confrontation where everybody is dead except for Ripley and Jonesy. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about how it was like a really misogynistic move that they would reduce her to her underwear you know for you know to give the guys a perv or whatever but the way i looked at that was that she was more vulnerable you know i mean it made sense because she was going into the cryo sleep chamber mm. um and so naturally you would wear that but yeah it was i just think it it added a layer of vulnerability to her character that you know the alien is suddenly there in the room with her which is terrifying and i love that it didn't look like it was actually going to attack it was just sleeping in that nook and it was like what's it gonna do but of course you know she's got to get rid of it but was it um, sleeping i thought it was sort of stuck there somehow and it was only it only managed to get free when it had to yeah Oh, okay, yeah, no, look, that's that's a possibility. I I interpreted that it was exhausted and having a little nana nap and <laughs> stuff. But <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I thought, yeah, that, that whole ending, especially the first time you watch it, if you don't know what's coming, you know, I mean, you can kind of guess that it's going to be on the, on the shuttle, but um, yeah, it was really well done. But, uh, but no, I, I thought reducing her to her singlet and undies I, I thought that was a really bold move and and it worked really well for um yeah like i said this the, the the vulnerability of the character so yeah i had no problem with that and yay for old movies there was no little thing at the end like oh look mm. there's a little egg hidden on the ship that she hasn't seen yeah. yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um yeah no the uh the way it goes into the second one and everything is, yeah, you're not going to be disappointed. There's there's no bullshit like that. Um, and then the third one has Brad yeah. Dourif. Was that the third or fourth? Isn't that the third? Uh, oh, do they maybe. Or do they have different I titles? I thought it was the fourth What's one, the fourth Alien one Resurrection. Called? Oh, yeah, maybe it's Alien that one. Res What's Alien, is oh, okay. Alien 3 just called Alien 3? It's just called Alien 3, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I thought that was... And, yeah, I, I dug that film a lot. I, I thought the oh, yeah, tone and everything was really good. Alien Resurrection is one of these films that no matter how many times I watch it, I think I've seen it maybe three times, I can't remember a single thing about it. It is a weird film. It was written by Joss Whedon, but it doesn't feel like anything Joss Whedon was ever involved with. It, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that film, really. But, um, eh, you know, we'll get there. But, uh, yeah. But I don't really... Um, Kung Pao's not the sort of movie you can really <laughs> spoil. Um, yeah. And, yeah, Frostbite oh, slash Bitten. I guess we can talk about the end of that in more detail. Yeah. 
Oh, okay, yeah. How, so I, it was so weird at the end that the cops just put her in an ambulance and then mm. they're just there at the house to face off with these teenagers and mm. that's it. I mean, I guess you can assume yeah. they were just overtaken because there was how many teenagers that are now vampires? Mm. Yeah, I know. It just doesn't seem like the sort of movie that warrants an ambiguous ending. You know what I mean? It's more of a mainstream kind of film that should be... It felt like to me that it should be wrapped up. Maybe they then... just thought it was too hard, so they're like, we'll just leave it here. And just because the story for mm. the character too was that she was going off with her mum and this little girl to mm. start a new life somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I know. I but yeah, for me that ending was a was a big disappointment. It, mm. it kind of let it down, but uh, uh, you know, not much we can do about that. But uh, yeah, but like I said, yeah, there was enough cool things about it that I uh, that I like. So yeah, hopefully yeah. you can right. say at least the same about Rhinestone. Hmm. Yes, I. Or it could be, you know, <laughs> my kung pao. Like, well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it is the payback edition, so exactly. No, and you I, never know. I but hey, you it. might be surprised. Like, I wasn't sure hey. what to expect. I just thought I like mm -hmm. Dolly Parton. I like Sylvester Stallone. We'll see yep. what happens with them together. And mm -hmm. I think there's one misstep which I'll talk about. But otherwise, mm. I thought it was pretty great. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right. Well. Uh, so yeah, that's that's it for spoilers. So uh, yeah. So to everybody who has joined us in the sealed section, uh, thank you very much for sticking around. And uh, yeah, as I said before, we'll be back in two weeks' time where we talk about Batman and Sin City and Rhinestone, and it's gonna be great. Uh, so yes. Um, yeah. Anything you want to say to the, the good folks out there before we go? No, just enjoy some movie watching over the next two weeks. Exactly, yes. And thank you to everybody yeah, who has been letting us know that they've been watching the movies that we've been talking about and recommending because uh, that's basically why we're doing this. So yes, thank you everybody. Uh, so yeah, until next time, stay safe, watch lots of movies, and we will catch you on the proverbial flip-flop. <laughs>